It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. The Adam Ritz Show is on campus in Wisconsin at the University of Wisconsin Platteville, and we are broadcasting in front of a live studio audience. Wonderful. Thank you for the warm welcome, UW-Platteville, the pioneers uh, here in the south, I guess, eastern corner of the state of Wisconsin. Our guest is Jennifer Clarkson. Hi, Jennifer. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing just wonderful. Thank you for having me in the show and for talking about uh, Gamma. And uh, before I butcher what this is and what you're doing, just to, I guess, start with what is GAMMA, G-A-M-M-A, the acronym for GAMMA. What is that? GAMMA stands for Greeks Advocating the Mature Management of Alcohol. Okay, so we're doing some alcohol awareness, mature management of alcohol. Uh, Greeks, to be more specific for our listeners, I know Greek life on a college campus, that's fraternity, sorority life, so this is not uh, a nationality or anything about a cultural background for people from Greece. This is uh, your sorority, which is? Kappa Alpha Sigma. And Kappa Alpha Sigma, go ahead, shout out. Okay, and uh, uh, what else do we have here? I see Sigma Alpha, is that correct? And uh, Sigma Alpha Gamma, is that right? Iota, S-A-I, Sigma Alpha Iota, Sigma Phi Epsilon, Delta Sigs. Right. So we've got a full house here, a lot of Greek life at the University of Wisconsin-Platteville, and we're all pulled together here to promote mature management of alcohol. That's what GAMMA is. So tell us about uh, what you've been doing, some kind of programs you've had during this week. This is Greek week, and you guys are celebrating your Greek life and your, your Platteville-ness, but you're also celebrating you know, making good choices. Yep, this is our um, designated Greek week, so it's like a homecoming just for us Greeks to have a little friendly competition with each other and get some extra time to hang out. So we'll have events like football games, or tug-of-war or trivia nights um, just so we can all get together and spend some responsible time together. And up until now, uh, what, are, what have you... I heard tomorrow's the tug-of-war. What was, what was last night? Last night was trivia. Okay, who won trivia? I believe Theta Phi Alpha. Theta Phi Alpha, okay. And uh, just what was one of the... Que- give me an example of one of the questions. Is it pop culture type stuff? 90s TV show trivia, I hear. Okay, and you guys, well, basically you don't study. You watch a lot of Nick at Night is, is what you're doing. And you're the champions. Okay, so it's a great chance for everybody to get, just get together and have some responsible activities that don't involve alcohol. And that's what Greek life and Gamma is all about. So, Jennifer, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck here at UW-Platteville. Real quick, what's your major? What do you want to do with your life? Um, my major is psychology. I'm going into school counseling. All right, congratulations. Let's have a round of applause for not only Jennifer, but everybody here at the University of Wisconsin. In Platteville. Thank you so much for having me. Fellowship, leadership, and philanthropy. Conversations and interviews from all over America. It's the Adam Ritz Show. We thank you for hanging out with the Adam Ritz Show. I'm your host, Adam Ritz. Our next guest 
is uh, now a good friend of mine. I've spent all day with him here in Boone, North Carolina, on the campus of Appalachian State University. He's Reggie Hunt. Hi, Reggie. How are you? Hey, Adam. I'm wonderful. And first of all, let me just say how awesome it was today. We're so honored to have you here. And it was it exceeded our expectations to have you here speaking to our players tonight. And we really thank you for being here. Well, I can't thank you enough for saying that. Uh, yes, we did have a little team meeting with the players. They're the football team, the football players at App State. And our listeners will remember that uh, Appalachian State University, the Mountaineers, uh, world famous now for a huge win over the Michigan Wolverines in what year was that? That was 2007. And you were here. Um, and I was here. I was here on the field, in the stadium, actually got to give the pregame uh, motivational that day uh, for that event. So it was a, for that game, it's awesome time. Okay, so we bring you on the show. This is a social awareness talk show. We talk about inspirational stories. And, uh, I mean, if you ask me, one of the most uh, important moments in the last 50 years of college football in America, it's that game. It's when Appalach- Appalachian State beat Michigan. I mean, that is such a – Rocky Hoosiers type uh, underdog story beating the big team in their home, the big house. I mean, it's even called the big house, 109,000 people. And you take them down with a last second. The field goal was blocked. I was crazy. And it's even more fitting for you to be on this show because you're the team chaplain. So you're the... You're the pray guy, man. You you said the right <laughs> prayers that day. Apparently, I was I was nervous. I didn't know whether or not that we should talk about a lamb being led to a slaughter, or David and Goliath, or <laughs> what should we talk about? Should we talk about faith in this moment? But it was a fun day to really uh, motivate the guys, you know, in, in a pregame in a pregame motivation for that week. So you gave the pregame uh, motivational speech slash prayer, sure. and uh, do you remember it like it was yesterday? I, I do. I remember the whole year we had already won two national championships. So we're coming, working hard, and preparing for a third national championship. We've got a big game against number five, Michigan. You and know. you said, not to interrupt, but a national championship, one double A? Yes. Is that what yeah. it is? Okay. Back-to-back, one double A national championships. And uh, now we're preparing for number five, Michigan. And I'm wondering, what am I going to say? And, uh, you know, I, had, I, I, I was so nervous that whole weekend about this pregame, uh, having to fly in the mission and give this pregame. And, you know, that morning we just talked about one of the points was, do we want to build a monument or a memorial? You know, there's people that have gone before us as Appalachian uh, players, and we have a legacy here at Appalachian, and today would be a good day for us to continue our legacy and to build our legacy. So the pregame speech that morning was actually about legacy. What are we going to do? This is going to be a defining moment for us. And when the defining moment comes, either you define the moment or the moment defines you. And so we're talking about people in the Bible who had defining moments. We're talking about people uh, who played at Appalachian who had defining moments. And uh, that was pretty much it. You know, and uh, I was extremely nervous, you know, sharing that pregame because at that time I'd only been um, doing the pregame motivation for maybe about four uh, years or so. So um, three years, actually. So I, I wanted to keep my contract as the, you know, as the pregame, uh, you know, <laughs> speaker. And so it was a real, real fun day for us. All I can think of is, is uh, in the world of sports and faith as the team pastor uh, and you won the game. Sure. Uh, had you not won the game. You were up 14 points. We were talking about this earlier. You're up 14 points. If Michigan wins that game, would you be like the bishop in Caddyshack? Would you say? <laughs> would you denounce your faith and uh, no, just start drinking? No. You know, the, the, the first I started off as the second string chaplain, and I always say that's not, not that's nothing you write home about. You know, and the first game that I uh, gave the pregame for, we were just uh, we got annihilated by Wyoming, and I thought, Lord, if these games depend on my pregame speech, we are in trouble. <laughs> my first year, we were six and five. You know, my 
second year, uh, we won the national championship, and everybody said, it's because of the chaplain. And then when we lost uh, the fourth championship run, everybody said, it's because of the chaplain. So I've learned not to really define myself, you know, by who wins that game. But it there was a lot of prayers on that day. There was a lot of prayers on that Michigan day. Uh, and afterwards I, afterwards, I was so sick. I think I'd been nervous and maybe had heat exhaustion and stuff like that, that uh, I actually, you know, passed out on the plane and, <laughs> and then on the tarmac. And I actually didn't get to be a part of the celebration here. I had to watch it on video. I think I put enough energy and enough prayers that day in the hoping that we would win that game. Well, you did your job. Uh, the prayers worked. Uh, one of the most inspiring uh, games in college football history just a few years ago, uh, Appalachian State beating Michigan at Michigan. Uh, you are Reggie Hunt, the team chaplain with Appalachian State, and um, you were telling me you're also a, pa you're a pastor in town yeah. here in Boone, North Carolina. You've got a church. You uh, sure. do this every Sunday. You, you preach. Yeah, I pastor a church called Cornerstone Summit, and, you know, it's really unique because I started off being here as a chaplain and had, a, had pastored another church, and my tenure being the chaplain here, uh, me and a few uh, guys from Appalachian State, a few former football players, actually started our church, and so it's been really cool to kind of have that inspiration on that side. But to walk with these guys uh, as a chaplain and then later on as a director of player development, I get to be intricately uh, involved in their life, you know, in so many different aspects, uh, life skills and leadership and, you know, um, uh, academic goals as well as their uh, spiritual development. So Saturday morning, game day, you're giving a pregame mm -hmm. motivational speech. 24 hours later, you are at church giving a sermon. Sure. And so I just have learned, you know, we played LSU the year that Hurricane Katrina was here. We got back at 6.45 in the morning. But I love being on the road with the team. And, you know, while they're studying game plan, uh, I'm reading books and kind of thinking about what I want to do uh, for the next weekend. So I just have – I feel like I've kind of been tailored for – you know, a, a job like this and getting to travel. I'm, I'm now at 140 straight Appalachian games. So being able to travel over the last several years, I have a wonderful wife and family who supported me. Uh, the church has been real flexible to let me go on the team. The coaches have been real great to let me do the pregame. And, you know, we've got a new coach and staff this year, but for the last uh, 11 years, I'm the only person that speaks on Saturday. Uh, I, the pregame meal is a silent meal. There's no phone. There's no texting. Everybody's stone quiet. The coach gets up and says, okay, we're going to have a pregame motivational. I speak, and then after that, we're out the door three hours before tip-off, and coach speaks again, you know, normally right before we walk out the tunnel. If it's a late flight back to Boone, North Carolina, and you are up early to give your sermon on Sunday, do you ever accidentally give the motivational speech from the game? No, no. You know, there's times that I've thought about it. But, you know, between a Sunday service and then a Wednesday service, a Wednesday night coach's Bible study, and then a Saturday morning message, I generally come up with four different messages per week. And I, don't, I try not to repeat them at, at, at each other. You know, it's just creative for me. Well, it's pretty inspiring. Uh, the chaplain with the team, uh, Appalachian State University football, is uh, Reggie Hunt. He's our guest right now. So the inspiring story of, of App State beating Michigan, that's great. Your inspiring story of being the team chaplain, sure. a pastor, and the football team's director of player development. Let's talk about the teams uh, before I let you go there. Community service. Um, weren't you telling me about a, an overseas project even that yeah, you do? Yeah, uh, do you yeah. do that with the players or is that just you that, and your that church? That was separate. But, you know, this year, uh, just between February and uh, the middle of April, we had over 140 hours of community service. So our team has done an extraordinary job working with five different uh, elementary schools and about four different uh, agencies ro ro ranging from the homeless shelter uh, to Habitat for Humanity, uh, the local farmer's market, uh, 
uh, autism camps, all of those kind of things we've done. And then this summer, I went on a separate trip outside of football to Honduras with 1,800 volunteers. We volunteered. Uh, that group volunteered and served um, all 18 states of Honduras. So it was an incredible week for us. 1,800 volunteers? 1,800 volunteers all flew to Miami. We chartered a 747, Boeing 747, like like, uh, Air Force One. We flew to Honduras. We had 24 buses that took us to 18 states. And then we had, uh, it was kind of, we went into various schools. We had over 400 people that went to uh, medical brigades in one area. We distributed shoes. We went into schools. We gave new curriculum. And then on the last day, it was kind of like watching the NCAA because there was a uh, televised all over Latin America was uh, the different states. So for three minutes, you would see Cologne, and then for three minutes, you would see San Pedro, and then for three minutes, you would see La Ceiba, and you were seeing what was happening on one Saturday. And between those 18 states, we had uh, 100, uh, I'm sorry, 1.6 million people uh, at live events in one night. So between those 18 soccer stadiums. So it was a wonderful event for us. Was it soccer? Um, what was, was that the template? Uh, no, the, was soccer it was a, behind? It was like an evangelistic crusade on the last ah, night. Okay. Yeah, so the last night was great. And what is? I'm guessing the way you described that, 1,800 people from the United States going mm-hmm. to Honduras. What's the governing body from the U.S. that's doing this? Uh, the the group that we went with was a friend of mine named Dominic Russo. The event was called One Nation One Day. And the, the goal was to reach one nation in one day through service and evangelism. So it was a wonderful opportunity. We had doctors uh, and nurses and, you know, pastors, ministers. Uh, the youngest person in the group that I saw was nine. The oldest person on my team was 80. So it was a vast, you know, group of people age-wise and wow. diversity-wise. Uh, just a wonderful event. The, the uh, president of Honduras had declared it a national holiday. And the security that we have was amazing. So, you know, five of the most dangerous cities in the world uh, were in Honduras. Uh, the state that we were in, 20 people uh, die per day. And in the nation of Honduras for that week, there were no murders oh, nationwide. That's awesome. So it was a really fun, you know, event. So I've been able to really just be blessed with the opportunity to, you know, do trips like that um, and do those in the spring and in the summer mm-hmm. when football's a little bit slower and then come back here, get checked in for camp, be with the guys from August, you know, through December and balance my church world, my family world, uh, the athletic world um, as well. So it's been fun. You got a lot going on. Yeah, a lot going on. Well, let me uh, finish with this last question for you. Um, as a pastor, Reggie Hunt is our guest again. He's a pastor here in Boone, North Carolina. And also, the other hat he wears, uh, several hats, one of his hats is that he's the pastor and player development director for the Appalachian State University football squad. Um, You give the pregame motivational speech. I'll call it the pregame prayer. Uh, It's a state school. Is there any, I guess, uh, fight from the other side of the non-secular side of the fence that says, hey, let's keep church and state separate. Uh, We shouldn't have a prayer on campus. I mean, is that something that you just see on a cable news station, or is that a real problem that might exist? I I think it's a real uh, challenge to be aware of. You know, we've had guys on our team that are uh, Jewish, that are atheists, that are agnostic, that are Christian, that are, uh, you know, uh, Zen Buddhists, you know. Faith plays a role in everybody's life in some capacity, uh, whether you're Tim Tebow and uh, you're pretty expressive about your Christian faith or you're Tiger Woods and meditation as a Buddhist is important to you. So when we say faith, we're not just talking about Christianity. Uh, we're talking about how faith is a, is, is a part of the uh, 
uh, of an individual's life. But here at Appalachian, you know, Appalachian is a state-supported school, so when I do the pregame message, I'm not trying to establish a church. I'm trying to motivate men to be better men on and off the field, you know. And so the messages that I give in that capacity, I have to learn how to connect with a guy. So I might start off with a scripture, uh, or start off with a, with a quote. I'll start off with a quote that, that maybe um, uh, Albert Einstein said, uh, the current problems that we face cannot be resolved by remaining at the same level of thinking we were at when we created them. Uh -huh. So I'll start off with the Einstein quote. Uh, how can we be better this year than we were last year? And I'll talk about mindsets, and I'll talk about uh, adaptations, and I'll talk about self-awareness, and I'll talk about all those kind of things. And then I may give illustrations, you know, uh, of people from the Bible who uh, had to adapt, people who refused to back down, people who were motivated. And one day, uh, these men are going to go beyond football. Hopefully, these lessons, you know, will, will be important for them. This way, I haven't really uh, I, the, the, the challenge that we have with the separation of church and state is not establishing religion on a state campus. When you give a message like that as a motivational and you're referencing illustrations or you're referencing the Bible, you're not establishing religion. You know, okay. uh, and so in the same clause that we have the separation of church and state, we also have the exercise uh, and the freedom uh, to exercise, you know, our beliefs and our religion. So we always have to find that balance of that. And I just for 13 years now have just uh, understood that Appalachian is, is not is not a church. Uh, yeah. And when the people, you know, come to our church, uh, they get a little bit different, you know, vibe. Uh, I'm a little bit more uh, expressive maybe there. I'm a little bit more direct there. Uh, and also as a staff employee, um, I have to be mindful that uh, – in the room are going to be different people at different life stages and different levels of faith. And so uh, my invitation is not for you to join a church. My invitation is for us to have a relationship in which I believe and engage in a relationship we can be better together. Well, whatever you said before that Michigan game, say that again. <laughs> I tried a couple of times. Uh, you know, I've tried to, I tried to, I haven't repeated any messages, but there's a few phrases that have worked, you know, time and time again. But the, every year is a little bit different. And I, I probably put more pressure on myself than, than some realize to kind of come up with a good message. Maybe, maybe eight hours for a 10 minute pregame. I got to ask, did you hear any, hear any feedback from uh, anybody in Columbus, Ohio? I got to believe the Buckeye fans, the Ohio State fans in Columbus, Ohio, love Appalachian State after that win over Michigan. You know, I'm going to Ohio this weekend to speak at the church, and the church <laughs> loves me just because we beat Michigan. Uh, but really, you know, after the week after Michigan was just so wild for our whole guys. You know, you had folks from uh, from Orlando and from L.A. Times, you know, and Sports Illustrated, and all these people were here interviewing. But the most amazing thing was to see the two charter buses that pulled up at the Appalachian bookstore, got off the bus, bought a whole lot of Apple, Appalachian gear, got back on the bus, and probably drove up to Ohio. And we have seen all kinds of Ohio State folks who have just thanked us. And all the T-shirt companies here made, you know, just <laughs> well over their, their budget uh, after that game because they just printed shirts. Like, we have shirts here that say, uh, where is Ann Arbor? Because Michigan is the trademark. Yeah. So ah. we can't say, where is Michigan? We just have, where is Ann Arbor? Where I bet you know where Boone, North Carolina is, you know. Uh, and so we've, we've had to work around the trademarks. But all the Ohio State fans still love us. You're big in Ohio. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, they love us there. Reggie Hunt, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and uh, sharing your faith with us, your work as a pastor, and your work as the uh, player development director with Appalachian State University Football. Thank you so much. Well, thank you so much for being with us, and we really enjoyed you today. And it's I'm great to, uh, honored to, to meet you and, and have a new friend. Get socially technical with The Adam Ritz Show. Facebook, Adam Ritz Show. Twitter, at Adam Ritz. Get social technically.
This week's philanthropy update comes to us from California on the campus of Southern Cal. It's USC's Zeta Phi Rho fraternity and the university's special events committee. They're doing something very cool and they're going to break a world record in the process. Well, at least they're going to try to. The two groups, along with other participants, they're aiming to break the world record for most sandwiches made in one hour. The sandwiches, uh, the multicultural fraternity hopes to make 20,000 ham and cheese sandwiches that'll be donated to the homeless on Skid Row in downtown Los Angeles. Uh, it's this week, Friday's event dubbed the 12th annual Zeta Phi Skid Row is the fraternity's keynote philanthropy event at the USC Gamma Chapter. Local organizations tackling homelessness such as Union Rescue Mission and the Midnight Mission will distribute the sandwiches according to USC Zeta Phi Rho President Vincent Ong. The current Guinness World Record stands at a mere 5,721 sandwiches. So they're going to just butcher this uh, record in the process of going for 20,000 ham and cheese sandwiches to help feed the homeless in Los Angeles. We congratulate uh, the University of Southern California and Zeta Phi Rho for all of their efforts to help make this planet a better place. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Fellowship, leadership, and philanthropy. Conversations and interviews from all over America. It's the Adam Ritz Show. And the show rolls on from Lawrence, Kansas. I'm on the campus of the University of Kansas. It's the Jayhawks, and we are here with Sharice Sadbury. Dr. Sadbury, how are you? I'm doing well. Do I call you Sharice or Dr. Sadbury? You can just call me Sharice. Sharice, okay. You are the uh, sports psychologist, I guess, uh, team doctor, physician with the uh, Kansas Jayhawks Athletic Department. Uh, did I get the title right? Uh, counseling and sports psychologist. Counseling, sports psychologist. So what is uh, a typical day for you in your office with the student-athletes here at Kansas? Um, it varies every day. Every, every student that comes in to see me, is, it's just different stuff. Uh, we talk about what's going on in their life, or we talk about how they're performing and how we can get them better. Okay, so off-the-field issues is, uh, you know, I guess their coaches deal with on-the-field issues. Mm -hmm. They have some sort of campus off-the-field issue. Um, maybe drinking is involved, and I'm certainly not here on campus to accuse any Kansas Jayhawk of having a drinking problem. Uh, but I am, I guess, smart enough to notice that it is a college campus in a major Division One, Big 12 huge population on this campus, there's probably some parties going on. Maybe there's some alcohol. Uh, how do you approach those kind of topics with your student-athletes when it comes to alcohol? Um, I take it from the angle. I mean, most athletes are high achievers and perfectionists, and they're here for a reason. They want to win. They want to be successful. Um, so most of the things I talk with them about is how those lifestyle choices are going to affect that, whether it's you're drinking alcohol and how that's going to affect your body and whether or not you're going to be able to recover and do well in your sport, or whether or not those choices can lead you to get in trouble and then you lose your sport. Um, and if you lose your sport and that's a big part of your identity, then what's going to happen to you in that moment? You know, who are you going to be and how do you grow from that? So I kind of take it from that angle of making sure that they're looking at their lifestyle as a whole picture rather than just a, snipshot, a snapshot of uh, the decision that they're making in that moment. So. Okay, so it's not only just, you know, you can maybe have a, a few too many drinks and make a bad decision, possibly get arrested, but you're talking about performance. As a machine, as a student athlete, it's like poison in your bloodstream. Uh, do you have any statistics off the top of your head that, um, that could make sense to me and my listeners about um, X amount of drinks equal 
this much muscle tissue damage or anything like that? I don't have those statistics. I wouldn't say our nutritionist is really good at um, providing those statistics, but even just one drink can affect your whole workout for that day. Um, so the amount of alcohol and how that affects the oxygen and how your body recovers can affect that workout. So if you think about the seven or eight hours you put in in that day, is that one drink worth that seven or eight hours not having the impact that you thought it was going to have tomorrow when you go out to play again? I did hear this. Um, what your take on it? I heard uh, at a recent seminar I went to um, that marijuana is, and I never heard this before, um, marijuana is four times worse than a normal cigarette as far as your lung, the damage it's doing to your lungs. And I've never heard that before. You hear all this social, political uh, conversation about making marijuana legal, and as time goes on, it will be. You'll be able to buy it in a liquor store if you're 21, and they'll tax it and we'll get out of debt, but uh, it's legal in a couple of states already. Uh, I've never heard through any of these conversations how bad it is for your lungs, or, or that it is worse than a normal cigarette. Uh, did you have that information? I, I'm shocked. Yes, I, I mean, I, I'm pretty aware of that. Uh, Who would have thought pot is bad? <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, you know, and, and it's funny because I think our college students tend to look at all the, well, it's going to be legal and it's legal in this state. Right. And they never think about the ramifications of the, what it's doing to their body, you know, today and what it might do to their body 10 years from continually to do it. Um, so a lot of times it's trying to help them understand, you know, you, like you said, you're a machine, you're, you're an athlete, your body has to be in tip top shape and you might be good. And I'll tell them you, you are good, but you're not great. And you're not going to be able to get to that great level until you start to take better care of your body. And depending on how long you play, so if we look at some of our football players, if they're going to play in the league, when you're done playing, you're going to feel aches and pains you've never felt before because now your body has to come back to normal and adjust to that. So you're going to feel these aches and pains. How you treated your body through those five, seven, eight years that you play in the league is going to make a difference in how you feel afterwards. So if you're drinking and you're smoking weed and you're doing whatever and you're staying up late and partying all the time, when you stop playing and your body starts to adjust, all of that stuff is going to come back to you too. And they don't think about that. Our guest is Sharice Sadbury, doctor, PhD, uh, licensed uh, counseling and sports psychologist with the University of Kansas Athletic Department. And I'll listen to you. I mean, you know what you're talking about. You, you've got to keep these athletes in tip-top shape. Premier Division I college student-athletes, the football team in the Big 12, uh, all the other Olympic sports from volleyball to wrestling, the basketball team. I mean, come on, let's get real. Uh, Kansas basketball is one of the most elite programs on planet Earth. Um, what can you share with us about some of the behind-the-scenes, uh, not even from your, from your desk or your chair behind, or, or your, uh, from your title, just some fun stuff share with us about Kansas basketball. So you got to get, uh, you know, great it. seats. Oh. <laughs> Do, <you know. laughs> no, I don't. You don't? I, I don't get great seats. No, I sit up in the rafters. Um, but I will say Allen Fieldhouse is an experience I've never, I've never had before. You know, I went to the University of Nebraska, and everybody will talk about a football game at Nebraska is crazy. But in my f friends and family that are at Nebraska are probably going to hate me for this, but a basketball game in Allen Fieldhouse outdoes Nebraska football hands down. I mean, it's so loud. It's so energetic. You know, you, there's just no experience that you can replicate that, that gives you what Allen Fieldhouse does. I can sit in the rafters and I still feel like I'm on the court because it's so old school. So it's not a stadium. I mean, you're, you feel like you're 
10 feet away from the court, you know, no matter how far away you are. So it's definitely a great experience. So I've got that on my bucket list now. Um, Allen Fieldhouse, mm -hmm. University of Kansas basketball. I've got to go. I'll sit in the rafters with you. Maybe you should tell coach that there's a problem with some of the players and you need to be right behind the bench. <laughs> well, I, I have an all-access pass. So I mean, I, I, I hang out in the tunnel, you know, at halftime to let them know that I'm there. And, you know, I got a little flack from, from one of the coaches specifically, but I never see you at the games, even though he knows I sit in the rafters. So, you know, I've used my all-access pass to kind of hang out in the tunnel and stuff. And I could sit on the bench if I wanted to. I just, <laughs> I like to kind of keep my distance and, and observe from afar so I can really see what they're doing and, and how things are going for them, so... Well, Sharice Sadbury, we can't thank you enough for coming on the show uh, and all of your uh, Jayhawk hospitality. We're big fans now of, uh, of the Jayhawks. I've seen this phrase around campus, rock, rock chalk. chalk. I've actually seen it on the Internet as well. Can you, before I let you go, real quick explain what rock chalk is? So my understanding of rock chalk is, you know, back in the day, a professor and some of his students came up with a chant for the Jayhawks and the rock chalk. So the, the rock, the way they say it is, you know, really slow and, and kind of methodical and it kind of represents the trains and uh, the, the, the limestone or whatever, the rock in the area, they call it chalk. So oh, it's, okay. so it's rock chalk, but they say it really slow and it goes Rock, chalk, Jayhawk, KU. So when you hear like thousands of fans saying it, it's scary. I mean, it's pretty intense. It was kind of scary with you just saying it by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but no, that makes sense to me now. Okay, and I uh, now bucket list, I got to be in the football stadium and I want to be part of the Rock Chalk. Yeah, you got to do it. I mean, I think come on out for a game. You know, I, our team's pretty fired up this year. I'm pretty fired up. I think there's a great chemistry and a, and a great energy around the team this year, and I, I think they're going to do really well. And, you know, I'm excited to see them experience some success. So, you know, come on out. Cherise Sadbury, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. And thank you so much for joining us this week on the Adam Ritz Show. Don't forget to join us on Twitter. It is at Adam Ritz. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.